If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. It's Thursday. Yep, it's Thursday. Therefore, it's Dr. P on the pod. Coming to you live. If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. And here I am. Am. I hope you're having a great Thursday or a great Saturday or whatever day you're having. I hope it's just absolutely fantastic. You know, um, for my old school sisters and brothers that are listening in, uh, the other evening I caught Daughters of the Dust. You all remember that uh, that documentary, Daughters of the Dust, that came out in 1991. It was big. Well, Netflix is now um, um, playing, running, Daughters of the Dust. And I just sat and we watched Daughters of the Dust and my sisters down there in the low country, down in Yamasee, talking that Geechee talk, you know, down in the wee gap. And um, if you have never seen Daughters of the Dust, please go to Netflix and just, uh, it was just an extraordinary uh, film. Uh, filmed on the Gullah Islands of South Carolina, and uh, it was f- the the scene is 1902 when the sisters and the brothers were leaving the island and leaving their um, all that they all that they knew uh, to go up north, and uh, their grandmother and mother that they left behind just wanted to make sure that they had uh, everything they needed to remember the land and to remember the spirit of the land of which they came. Um, so, you know, Daughters of the Dust is now running on Netflix. Give yourself a treat and check it out. This is a beautiful, it's just a beautiful, um, beautiful film. Well, this day we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you a TED Talk. You know, I just find some of these TED Talks so interesting. And I love highlighting some of them. And today we're going to highlight uh, Brother Clint Clint Smith, uh, who is a writer, a poet, a teacher and uh, at Harvard University, where he studies the sociology of education. And he's going to talk about how should you raise a black son in America. Come on, somebody. We're going to talk about how should you raise a black son in America. Um, uh, this is a fascinating. We should all get our pencils and pens out and take notes. Uh, you know, I am now uh, the mama, the auntie, the grandmama, the everything to Maurice uh, Deese. He's now 14. He's been my everything since he was six. And I tell you, the 14-year-old Maurice is no joke. And I always have to just sit and wonder and ponder um, all the things that I have to sit and talk with him about and have all these talks that I have to have that, you know, his white friends, you know, um, don't not have to have. You know, I have, uh, he have, uh, I have moms and um, 
friends who are raising their children who go to Maurice's school with him. They're friends with Maurice. And we often talk about the conversations that I must have with Maurice as a black boy growing up in America that they don't even think about having with their white sons. Uh, it's, it's, it's just fascinating, but it's so common to us because we've always had to have um, those, uh, those talks. If you are a single parent or if you are both parents in the house, it don't matter. Uh, raising a black son in America is no joke. Raising a black daughter in America is no joke either. So we are excited to have Brother Clint Smith. He is the author of a poetry collection, Counting... Decent, uh, which was published in 2006. So I'm excited to turn it over to how you should raise a black son in America. But before I do, I want to remind you that it is now September. Oh, here is September and here comes Healthy Churches 2020 National Conference. We are less than 90 days out from this conference. So please, please, if you have not registered, you have got to register. We have quite a lineup. Go to our website, uh, healthychurches2020.org. Uh, get your, get your, get your stuff um, together. Get your hotel, your registration, your ground transportation. You don't want to miss this conference. It's going to be off the chain. Uh, gospel artist J.J. Harrison is our guest artist this year, and we just have an exciting line up for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Healthy Churches 2020 National Conference, November 13th through the 18th, down in Point Clear, Alabama. And now, let's go to Clint Smith. Let him tell us how to raise a black son in America. Mm-hmm. You got it. If it's Thursday, it's got to be Dr. P on the pod. Growing up, I didn't always understand why my parents made me follow the rules that they did. Like, why did I really have to mow the lawn? Why was homework really that important? Why couldn't I put jelly beans in my oatmeal? My childhood was abound with questions like this. Normal things about being a kid and realizing that sometimes it was best to listen to my parents even when I didn't exactly understand why. And it's not that they didn't want me to think critically. Their parenting always sought to reconcile the tension between having my siblings and I understand the realities of the world while ensuring that we never accepted the status quo as inevitable. I came to realize that this, in and of itself, was a very purposeful form of education. One of my favorite educators, Brazilian author and scholar Paulo Freire, speaks quite explicitly about the need for education to be used as a tool for critical awakening and shared humanity. In his most famous book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, he states, no one can be authentically human while he prevents others from being so. I've been thinking a lot about this lately this idea of humanity, and specifically who in this world is afforded the privilege of being perceived as fully human. Over the course of the past several months, the world has watched as unarmed black men and women 
have had their lives taken at the hands of police and vigilante. These events and all that has transpired after them have brought me back to my own childhood and the decisions that my parents made about raising a black boy in America that growing up I didn't always understand in the way that I do now. I think of how hard it must have been, how profoundly unfair it must have felt for them to feel like they had to strip away parts of my childhood just so that I could come home at night. For example, I think of how one night when I was around 12 years old on an overnight field trip to another city, my friends and I bought super soakers and turned the hotel parking lot into our own water-filled battle zone. We hid behind cars running through the darkness that lay between the streetlights, boundless laughter ubiquitous across the pavement. But within 10 minutes, my father came outside, grabbed me by my forearm, and led me into our room with an unfamiliar grip. Before I could say anything, tell him how foolish he had made me look in front of my friends, he derided me for being so naive, looked me in the eye, fear consuming his face, and said, son, I'm sorry, but you can't act the same as your white friends. You can't pretend to shoot guns. You can't run around in the dark. You can't hide behind anything other than your own teeth. I know now how scared he must have been, how easily I could have fallen into the empty of the night, that some man would mistake this water for a good reason to wash all of this away. These are the sorts of messages I've been inundated with my entire life. Always keep your hands where they can see them. Don't move too quickly. Take off your hood when the sun goes down. My parents raised me and my siblings in an armor of advice, an ocean of alarm bells so someone wouldn't steal the breath from our lungs so that they wouldn't make a memory of this skin so that we could be kids, not casket or concrete. And it's not because they thought it would make us better than anyone else. It's simply because they wanted to keep us alive. All of my black friends were raised with the same message, the talk given to us when we became old enough to be mistaken for a nail ready to be hammered to the ground, when people made our melanin synonymous with something to be feared. But what does it do to a child to grow up knowing that you cannot simply be a child, that the whims of adolescence are too dangerous for your breath, that you cannot simply be curious, that you are not afforded the luxury of making a mistake, that someone's implicit bias might be the reason you don't wake up in the morning. But this cannot be what defines us. Because we had parents who raised us to understand that our bodies weren't meant for the backside of a bullet, but for flying kites and jumping rope and laughing until our stomachs burst. We had teachers who taught us how to raise our hands and class and not just to signal surrender. And that the only thing we should give up is the idea that we aren't worthy of this world. So when we say that black lives matter, it's not because others don't. It's simply because we must affirm that we are worthy of existing without fear when so many things tell us we are not. I want to live in a world where my son will not be presumed guilty the moment he is born, where a toy in his hand isn't mistaken for anything other than a toy. And I refuse to accept that we can't build this world into something new, some place where a child's name doesn't have to be written on a t-shirt or a tombstone, where the value of someone's life isn't determined by anything other than the fact that they had lungs, a place where every single one of us can breathe. Thank you. If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod.